Great, good morning. I'm going to uh, speak to us now. I, I always say, a little tradition, if you've got a Bible, open it, but I don't want you to open your Bible today because we're actually all going to read the words which are going to be up on the screen. Um, I'm doing a, a four weeks on Redeemer. The first week I did is why are we called in this Redeemer. That was our launch. That was two weeks ago. Then last week I looked at the whole thing of adventure. We believe we're a church on adventure. And this week I'm looking at the whole thing of compassion. And we've been saying it's a bit like Ronsil. It does what it says on the tin, which is a bit like, uh, well, I was going to say Findus, but it's no longer that the case, is it? You know what I'm saying? So often the challenge is, you know, if it doesn't do what it says on the tin, we just think, man alive, we've been messed up here. We're going to be looking at compassion. Compassion is a feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow for another who is stricken by misfortune, accompanied by a strong desire to alleviate the suffering. I think Jesus tells this powerful story, and we're going to sort of read it together. So um, you probably not, I don't know if you do this, you guys are the right. I know you're my left, but you're on the right. You guys are the left. Um, Kezia, you are the king. So when the king says something, it will go to you, and I am the narrator. And I just thought we could speak this one through together. So rather than just look at it, so hopefully I've got Matthew 25 that should be coming up here. When the Son of Man comes in glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep, you guys are all sheep this morning, that is fine, on his right, but the goats... On his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then... The righteous will answer him saying, that's the guys on the right. So you all need to read this. Lord. And the king will answer them. Truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to Then he will answer them, saying, Truly, I say to you, as you, did, as you did not do to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. Oh, is this one? And these will go away into eternal punishment 
the righteous into eternal life. That was my line, but you're the king, so that's fine. <laughs> Let's pray. Jesus, we do want to come to you, and we want to hear from you. We thank you as we've come to sing to you this morning that you've spoken to us. We don't just want to be those that think, oh, these are maybe famous words from the Bible. We want to be those that hear God speak right into our hearts. We don't want to be those that just hear these words. We want to be those that live by these words, that act upon these words, that are different because of your words. I pray to speak to each one of us this morning for your glory. Amen. I just want to say a few words of introduction about this, and then I'm going to talk a little bit about compassion. I think the first thing I would say this is it is not a parable. I think sometimes the danger is we've approached this and thought, oh, Jesus was telling a parable about the sheep and the goats. It doesn't actually say in the Bible it's a parable. It's almost like he's given a description of what will happen. I think this is a really important passage for us to be looking at. Some of you go to church regularly, and I said to you, oh, what was the last thing that Jesus ever taught his disciples? Well, actually, it was this. You see, if you're reading through the Gospel of Matthew, this is the last time that he has the chance just to really engage with his disciples. They've been talking all about, actually, one day I will come back, and he's teaching them something about his return. This would have been very practical. Now, we can get a little bit confused. I'll be honest, when, when I read this, I sort of think, what's the big difference? I, I mean, if I'm really honest, and I'm going to go with this, if you were sheep, I'd expect nice, white, fluffy clouds, wouldn't you? Because that's what I think of. I'm a country bumpkin, really. I come from Sussex. There's sheep everywhere in Sussex, and I just think of white clouds. And if I think of goats, I tend to think of sort of black animals, you know, that are a bit squinny, tall and thinner. Reality is that in the Middle East, the sheep and the goats looked very similar. So the reality was that shepherds often would have sheep and goats all together. We can think, oh, I mean, it's just totally different. It's a contrast. It wasn't like that in those days. And so often they would have watched a shepherd separate the bunch out. You know, the shepherd would have gone through, you know, and it's not like, oh, is that a sheep or a goat? I'm not sure. He would have been sure, but actually the size, the shape, and the color was virtually the same. So he went through separating them out. We know often that sheep is a picture of the people of God. If you look at that right through the Bible. We know that the right, I don't know if you meant to sit on this side today, but obviously you've done well. The right was considered a place of favor. We know as well from this story and is true of the Bible that when things are repeated, we're to understand it. We're to really take it on board. We're to think about it. Leon Morris, a commentator who wrote on this, so there's people that have written on the Bible, says the works we do are evidence either of the grace of God at work in us or our rejection of that grace. So what he is saying is actually the, the way we behave, it talks about clothing the naked, feeding the hungry, visiting the prisoner. The way we behave really reflects whether or not we've accepted God's love and grace towards us. Someone else says this, the heart of Christianity is not a red rose on the 14th of February, although guys, I encourage you, take note of that this week. The heart of Christianity is a relationship with Jesus himself, which shows itself 
in sacrificial care for others, in particular the poor and the needy. The heart of Christianity is a relationship with Jesus, which shows it. I don't know. If I'd have said to you, how do you show your relationship with Jesus? Some of you might have said, well, I'm a church, Pete. I've shown my relationship with Jesus. Some of you might have said, oh, golly, the bucket. I missed it. That's how I show my relationship with Jesus. Some of you might say, I was here early setting up. That's how I show my relationship with Jesus. This guy says, you show your relationship with Jesus by sacrificial care for others, particularly the poor and the needy. William Barclay, he was a Puritan. He was another commentator. He said this, the lesson is this, God will judge us in accordance to our reaction to human need. God will judge us in accordance to our reaction. Now, can I just say very clearly before I get into this, I do not believe that you earn your way into heaven. I do not believe that this account that Jesus is, is actually, well, actually, if I do the right things, I get to heaven. You get to heaven, as we've been singing about, because Jesus Christ died for you. We believe that everyone has done wrong. We believe that Jesus lived a perfect life, that he died on a cross. That's what we often talk about. He shed his blood for us. We believe that 100%. If you said to me, Pete, how do you know you're going to go to heaven? I'd say, because Jesus died in my place. I have said sorry to God for what I've done wrong. If you've never done that, I would encourage you to do that. That is what it means to get to heaven. It's not that you've lived a good life. But actually, because I've done that, then I can often work it out like this. I want to ask you, I want to ask myself, if you've made that decision for Jesus, if you've prayed him, are you full of compassion? Do you just talk a good game or are you living a good game? I have to be very careful now that uh, the messages are recorded and they go on the internet because my parents do listen to them. And so, you know, I I can't slip in illustrations. I look at my parents, though, and I I sometimes worry because um, they've been married 50 years next year. Loved each other, gone the long haul. But I have noticed that they now even start wearing the same kind of clothes. Have you noticed that? You know what I'm saying? They went on holiday and they both came back with a green jumper on it that said Canada across the front. Yeah, I felt like Tweedledum, Tweedledee. Mum, Dad, you just be different. I know you've been married a long time. You don't need... But the, the longer you're with someone, the more you get like them. Some of you are now worrying, checking. Oh, golly, yeah, we're both wearing blue today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's that thing. The more you're with someone, it's almost like you can end their sentences, can't you? If you really hang around them, you know, you can end up... You, you know what they're going to think. You know what they're going to say. I would say compassion should come out of us because the more we're around like God, the more we pick up the family likeness. You see, I think we should be a compassionate church because the more we pursue God, the more we'll be like him. And God is compassionate. I don't know if you think about God like that. I mean, let's be honest. If I'd have done a poll before you knew what I was going to speak about this morning, I'd say, oh, go on then, just give us one word about God. You know, some of you might have said authority, creator. You might have said, "Mm, I don't know, headmaster in heaven, waiting to tell me off for not getting quite a good score. Some of you might have said Santa Claus, you know what I'm going to say, leaves presents once a year and disappears up the chimney. I don't know how you would describe God. But when you look in the Old Testament, it describes God as a, a compassionate God. It says in 2 Kings 13, the Lord was gracious to them and compassionate. On them. 
What happened in Kings is Elisha, who was a prophet, who used to come and say to the people, come on, remember God, remember God. He died. And they're thinking, oh, no, we used to hear from God through Elisha. He's dead. But it says God remembered them in his compassion. He was still there caring and protecting for his people, even though Elisha had disappeared, because the Bible says God is a compassionate God. Psalm 103, David is looking back and celebrating the abundant love of God and the goodness of God for his people, tracing the story from creation to exile. And he says this in Psalm 103, verse 13, As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion. God is a compassionate God. I think it was Abby, wasn't it, was saying, actually, we can bring anything to God. God God has compassion towards you. I don't know when you turn up today, you know, have you been up all night feeding a young kid? Do you feel the compassion of God? Do you turn up, let's be really frank, you turn up and you thought, man, I was going to read my Bible cover to cover in 2013, and Pete, by the 10th of February, I'm already a month behind. I'll be honest, you ain't doing well, but God is full of compassion. You know what I'm saying? You might think, golly, I'm just struggling. My teenage kids just ain't quite there. God is God of compassion. Paul writes this to the church in Corinth, 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3 and 4. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received. I would say this, if you come to redeem it every week, let's not get religious. Our God is compassionate. You know what I'm saying? Don't get fixated on a God who's always looking at behavior. God is full of compassion. Don't think, oh, God has got these impossibly high standards I could never meet. God is a God of compassion. Don't think, oh, God is just watching from heaven me suffer. God is a God of compassion. I want to ask you, are you aware of God's compassion? Do you know his compassion? I would say that God is compassionate. Why? Because we know what God is like because Jesus demonstrated God to us. Jesus said, hey, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He was saying, if you want to understand what God is like, you can look at me. And Jesus in his life was one that was compassionate. Jesus didn't sort of float around so absorbed with his own publicity, you know what I'm saying, that he, he, he forgot people. He loved people. He wasn't so dominated by himself. You know what I'm saying? That he's just that focused. I, I have found it fascinating. You know, when I travel across, I work in an office in, in, in Catford on a Tuesday, and I, I catch four trains across from Hanwell across to Catford. I'm amazed how quickly people can go for that empty chair without looking around. You know what I'm saying? It's like, fixing. I'm going to have that seat on the tube. It's mine. There's no thought of anyone near them. Jesus didn't walk around like that. He wasn't so obsessed with this thing that he wasn't aware of the people around him. We know that Jesus goes throughout cities and villages and he was moved with compassion. It says in Matthew 9, when he saw the crowds, this is Jesus, he had compassion on them because they were harassed like sheep without a shepherd. And so what's that say? I think if Jesus was here today, he'd say, I've got compassion because that's the kind of Jesus we follow. Jesus, he, he lived a life of compassion. He taught about compassion. 
Let's be really honest. If, you, if I had to say to you, and even if you didn't get a chance, oh, what's one of the greatest stories of the Bible? You'd probably say something like, Good Samaritan. Most people have heard of that phrase, the Good Samaritan. Jesus told that story. It's in Luke 10. It's basically this guy that's traveling along the road. He gets beaten up. He's a Jew, gets beaten up. And then these two sort of holy men ignore him. The Samaritan, who was his enemy, comes past. What does Jesus say about the Samaritan? Luke 10, 33. The Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. You see, Jesus taught stories that were full of compassion. I don't know if you know the other famous story from the Bible, of the prodigal son. This was a guy that, you know, he goes to his dad and says, Dad, I'm, I'm, I'm fed up with you being alive. I wish you were dead. Give me your money. So he takes the money, goes off to this foreign land. It says he spends it on prostitutes and wild women and, and all this thing. The money runs out. He's eating pig's food. He decides to go back to his dad. He thinks, I can't go back to his dad as a son. I'll go back as a servant. Literally, he's on his knees going back. But it says in Luke 15, Jesus tells this story. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and did what? Chase him away! <laughs> you ain't welcome here, boy. <laughs> you take it back on me. No, it says his father felt compassion. His father ran and embraced him and kissed him. You see, Jesus is saying, this is the God that we serve. It's a God of compassion. Jesus not only lived a life of passion, he not only talked about a compassion, actually we know that he acted out of compassion. It tells us in Luke 7 that he's just entering this city. And basically what's going on is there's a funeral going on. And there's this woman, she's a widow, and she's burying her only son. Jesus cannot help but step in. Luke 7.13, when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. But his compassion didn't stop with his words. His compassion went to the fact, I'll raise your son. Jesus raised the dead because he was moved with compassion. Jesus, it tells us in Matthew 14.14, 14, despite being in this desolate place, he goes ashore, he's tired, but he has compassion and he healed their sick. Jesus lived a life of action motivated by compassion. It's amazing, isn't it, that you know, he, he even says to his disciples on one occasion, look, these people, they've been, they've been following me and they've been listening to me for three days. I know that they are physically hungry. Give them something to eat. Why is that? Because he had compassion on it. It tells us in Matthew 15, 32, Jesus calls his disciples and says, I have compassion on the crowd. You see, Jesus was one who, who lived models and, and demonstrated a life of compassion. Jesus reveals God's passion to us. Now, therefore, I want to ask us a question. Are we going to be a church full of compassion? I, I have to um, tell a little bit of my own story here. I'd like to just tell a little bit of my story. I was raised in a family that loved God. I was taken to church before I was born. You know what I'm saying? For nine months, I was there. I was listening. I was taking it all in. 
You know, I think week one, I was there. We used to have to go at least twice on a Sunday, probably three times, because we used to do Sunday school before the morning meeting, and then the morning meeting, and then the evening meeting. The danger can become, for people that go to church a lot, is that we think about what we've done, and we lose our compassion. Are we still full of those that are compassionate? Compassion is emotion and action. It's not just thinking something, it's doing something. It's not just saying something, it's it's following it up. Compassion meets the needs of others and not yourself. Compassion will cure more from sin than condemnation will. Our danger is that we're like, oh, you're not good enough. Oh, you haven't raised the standards. Oh, do a little bit better. Try a bit harder. Don't say this. Don't eat that. Don't wear that. That's condemnation. I think the church should be a place of compassion. As the people of God, we should be compassionate to one another. You know what I'm saying? As good, you know, I'll be careful because I never got visitors here and you think I'm weird. But you know, we should all be swaying, saying, all you need is love, you know, and love, love, love. Oh, it's good. I know Edward well. You know what I'm saying? You come here and you just think, oh, I feel I feel a bit of love. Why? Because we're in the place, the people of God, we should feel compassion to one another. We should feel care for one another. You should turn up here on a Sunday and not feel I've got to wear some mask and just pretend I'm okay. You can be real because people are going to care for you. The church should be a place of compassion. Why do I say that? Because in Zechariah 7 verse 9, this is what the Lord Almighty says, administer true justice, show mercy and compassion to one another. That was God's way to his people. So it's funny, I, I always say to people, we start at 10 o'clock. Why is that? Because actually I think it's a great chance to get to know one another. I'd say, church, make sure you're here for 10 o'clock because that's when we get to know each other. And that's how we can show compassion. How's your week been? Golly, you fell off your bike cycling to work, Tim. I'm gutted about that. What, you mean your boss has been like that towards you, John? I'm gutted about that. Oh, well, Diver's had the baby. Whee! You know what I'm saying? Oh, no, she's still here. You know what I'm But there's this, we show compassion to one another. Why is that? Because we know one another. And I think that's why we do. That's why we have these groups, community groups, not to fill up your week, but actually we, we just get to know each other's lives because we want to be compassionate to one another. We want to care about one another. What we don't want to do is just fill up some chairs on a Sunday morning for a couple of hours. We want to live life together. You see, if you really want to be compassionate, you ask questions rather than just talk. Because you're trying to discover about someone else. How's your week been? I I love it because I think the Bible is is, is full of, I can't remember now, 30-something verses, is it, that talk about the one another's. That's the way you relate to one another in the church. It says in Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ. I mean, that's the way we're going to live. So I think, what kind of church would I want? I'd want a church where we're compassionate to one another, support one another, think about one another, honor one another, accept one another. I would love to feel that we are a community that are compassionate. But I don't think our compassion should stay in the church. I think it should be in the church, but it shouldn't just stay in the church. You see, I believe that the approach here 
should be the approach we have in life. It says in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 21, book in the Old Testament, whoever despises his neighbor is a sinner, but blessed is he who is generous to the poor. It says elsewhere in Proverbs 19.17, this is wisdom. A lot of it came from Solomon, but not all of it. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him. Jesus himself, when he came and he said, this is my mission statement in Luke 4, says this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight of the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed. I was at the uh, minister's meeting for Ealing on Tuesday. And uh, they gather the ministers together. I love it because we are part of the church. I must say this, we're not in competition with other churches. Jesus has one bride. He doesn't come back for harem. You know what I'm saying? We're not all saying, sleep with me tonight, Jesus. He loves us all the same. I love the fact that we work together with other churches. I love the fact that together we make a difference in this borough. You see, together, there's street pastors going on. Churches together are saying, come on, we could do street pastors. There's an Ealing Churches Winter Night Shelter, which I've told you, we've given money to. We've done laundry for. We're praying for, you know, so this is what we do together. Some of you have heard of CAP. It's a debt advice. That's churches together making a difference, showing compassion in this area. Some of you may have heard of Care Confidential. It helps those that decide not to have an abortion. It helps those on very low income with um, baby equipment. That's the churches together showing compassion into this area. Some of you would have heard of Beeson. That's another project. Churches together saying, look, how do we give out furniture? How do we stand here? We're very keen, and Chris is doing loads of work, and he will be signing many of you up very shortly together to say, actually, we'd love to be involved in food bank. What's that? It's the church showing compassion to the local poor. It works like this, that when you go shopping, you could think, oh, I could buy an extra tin, I don't know, beans or rice or pasta, and that is then stored at this food bank. Yeah, just like the bank, you know, they ain't going to squander your money. They will keep it safe. Your food will be there, and then local people are helped out. Literally, people in this borough that wouldn't have eaten otherwise. And it's, it's, a, it's often done a three-day thing. That is a sense of the church showing compassion. And, and we're a part of that. And I love that. And I would love to think, you know, at the end of 2013, our first year of being here, that the town hall won't just say, oh, it's great to have you guys here because we like your rent every week. They'll say, it's great to have you guys here because you show compassion to this borough. I would love it if someone outside the church just said, ah, oh, it's great having Redeemer here because we notice you guys have made a difference. And Ealing's a better place because you guys are showing compassion here. I think that's the kind of church we want to be. We want to be a church that reaches out with that good news. We want to have compassion. Those that do not know Jesus, we're moved by compassion. We're not trying to stand here and say, oh, golly, you're just in trouble. We want to say, Actually, the best news that we could possibly offer you is that God loves you so much he died for you. That actually he thinks the world of you. And the thing that's changed my life around is knowing a relationship with him. And if I could possibly introduce you to him, I would love to do it. That's the kind of compassion we want to have as a church. 
Now, I think there's a danger. And so I'm just trying to be very real about this. I think there's a disease, and I wonder if you've got it. We're just going to do a quick health check. I'm not a health professional here. You know, I'm just making this up as I go along. Compassion fatigue. Compassion fatigue. How many of you are suffering from this? You see, the Bible warns us of a guy called Pharaoh who had a hardness of heart. And I think that we can still have that today. What does it look like? I think compassion fatigue is like this. Gradually, you lose your sense of compassion over time. You get overwhelmed almost with a sense of hopelessness. Pleasure in your life just seems to decrease. You feel like you've got constant stress and anxiety. You feel that you've got a pervasive negative attitude. I think that it's very easy to get compassionate fatigue in London. Why is this? Because I think our whole way of education is Greek thinking, and that was logic and facts, and that doesn't stir compassion. I think that news and, and the metro and the evening standard, I think often the stories we read about are tragedy and suffering. And I think it just robs us of compassion. I think people live under pressured jobs. People work long hours. Cities are busy places to dwell in. And I think the danger is we can get into this like compassion fatigue. I just feel worn down. I just get tired. I feel I'm sinking. You know, I don't know about you, there used to be that phrase, are you managing to keep your head above water? Some of us feel, no, I'm trying to grow gills. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I am in trouble. I think if you are suffering from compassion fatigue, don't blame others. Don't change your job, your car, or your wife. And I think people attempt all of those to try and get over compassion fatigue. Don't try and work longer and harder. I would say the answer to compassion fatigue is go to God. Go to God. You see, what's compassion? A feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow for another who is stricken by misfortune, accompanied by a strong desire to alleviate that suffering. You see, how do I get compassion? I get compassion by looking at Jesus. It tells us in 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, basically he was in heaven, and he had beautiful relationship with God, you know what I'm saying? He had angels just at his beck and call. He was rich. Yet for your sakes, he became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich. Consider what Christ has done for you. You see, we're going to be uh, breaking bread. Richard's going to lead us in that in just one moment. And what I love about that is I come back again to what he has done for me. You see, compassion is not me trying to say, I've got it all together. <laughs> I can love you and I can love them and I can love whoever. No, compassion is me saying, oh, Jesus, what you've done for me, it just overwhelms me. And when I look again at the cross, when I consider again that you would die for me, when I consider that you, the perfect son of God, took my place, that the innocent was punished, that the guilty goes free, when I consider just how many negative thoughts I've had this week and you were punished for everyone. 
Oh, I'm overwhelmed by your compassion for me. I'm overwhelmed that you didn't do it all and then turn around and say, look, I've set the bar. It's perfection. I've done it. If you haven't, you're out. I thank you that, no, Jesus, in your grace, you come to me. I think if we're suffering compassion fatigue, we've got to fix our eyes upon him. I mean, I love these days of prayer and fasting. I know we've got another one coming up. We're doing it each month. At the end of the day, you know, so often we think, oh, God, I'd love to. Often I just find I forget what I came to talk about because I, I just get mesmerized by you. <laughs> it's almost like I take the day off to fast. And actually what I do is you, you can think initially, oh, I want to pray about this, this and this. And then I stop and I fix my eyes upon him. And I think, oh, man, you're beautiful. Your love amazes me. I'm a recipient of your undeserved grace. Of course, I can forgive you for what you said. Of course, I want to go the extra mile for somebody else. Of course, I'll give away something that I've got to help somebody locally. Why? Because of what you've done for me. That's what it is, isn't it? Redeemer, I want us to be a church that does what it says on the tin. I want us to be a church that is full of compassion. Jesus said in John 13, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are to love one another. By this shall all men know you are my disciples. I think that is compassion that should flow through us. Which is going to lead us now in time breaking bread. We're going to uh, break and eat bread and drink wine. Um, and just as an introduction, this is something that Jesus did, as we read in the Bible, something that he did with his close friends, and it's something that he said it was good for us to carry on doing, in order for us to like, routinely focus on the cross, in exactly the way that Pete's just laid out. Um, so just practically, the way we're going to do this is, um, in a second, um, we're going to have a song on in the background, and then um, I'm going to encourage you just to head back to the back. We've got wine in wine glasses. And we've got grape juice in a tumbler. And there's um, bread on plates. And there's some gluten-free bread, which is on a napkin. And um, I'd encourage you, go to the back, take some bread, um, take a drink. And then maybe if you find a few people to stand with or to sit with, and just with those people, why don't you pray out, just pray amongst you prayers of thanks for what Jesus has done not focusing primarily on us, but thanking him for his compassion first. And once we've done that, I'm then just going to lead us in a prayer of repentance for where in our lives we feel like we've fallen short of the compassion that the Bible sets out for us to show to others. Um, but first, let's focus on Jesus. Does that make sense? We'll come to him first. Um, if anybody's here and you're a visitor, maybe you're somebody who doesn't yet know Jesus, um, the Bible says that this is something for people who have put their trust in and are following Jesus. But please do find some bit, somebody or a few people to talk to. Anyway, maybe we can pray with you. Maybe you'd like to pray. Um, but the bread and the wine is just for those who are believers here. Um, so why don't we have that song on, Isaac? And um, when you're ready, head to the back, grab some, uh, some bread and some wine and, and find a few people to pray with.